I'm Nels Anderson. And I'm Jesse Turner. And I'm Zoe Robinson. And welcome to Terminal 7. And here we are, episode 29. 29. How's it going, Nels? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. And we have a very special guest today. Who showed up? Who, who, who showed up here with us? Who's joining us? That's your cue. Me! <laughs> That's right. And who's me? <laughs> I'm Zoe Robinson, and I direct the art for Netrunner. Now that... That is cool. That is awesome. Wow. That is a... I can't... I am not an art person. <laughs> but if I was... <laughs> and I got to direct the art for Netrunner. I would be very happy about that. <laughs> well, it's pretty fun. I believe that. Um, so, yeah. So at a super high level, if, if you don't mind. Um, so you obviously sure. you work at Fantasy Flight Games. Have you been there for a while? Yes. Or is Netrunner like yes. your first big project there? Or, or I what? I think I was the 26th hire ever at the company. I, I, I'll be there nine years this November. Whoa. Wow. Cool. Oh, man. I haven't even been out of school for nine years. <laughs> no, wait. I have. I have exactly this year. This year. This year is my. No, no, I haven't. Never mind. Yeah, no. Not even nine. Not even nine years. And so, 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 so you're pretty familiar. Well, obviously, you're familiar with the company. You've been. Is this. Uh, how many different projects have you, have you been. Have you uh, spearheaded or been uh, art directing on? <laughs> well, um, let's see. They. Um... When I came on board Fantasy Flight, there had never been an art department before. Oh, that's so wow. cool. Grassroots stuff. Oh, that's so cool. So you were so, the art department for a while. Yes, for <laughs> many oh, years. And then... Um, so sorry, so you said you were employee 26 for scale, because I, I actually don't know. How many people are at FFG now? Um, Almost 200 now. Wow. Okay. 100 and some. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's grown. Hardcore ground Crazy floor. amounts. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's awesome. Okay, sorry. So you you were basically the art department for a long time. I was the art department for years, and then um, three almost three years ago, four years mm, hard to say three or four years ago. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, Andrew Navarro came in as uh, my manager, mm. um, and another person came on to do art direction, Andy Christensen, and then a year, two two years ago. Um, Andrew Navarro left for the the media team that we have and um, working on um, Battle or Command and stuff like that. Cool. And Andy Christensen now manages the art department. Nice. Um, and there are three other art directors besides me and Andy. Right. Because you guys have a lot of projects on the go at once. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We all work on about, for a while there, about four. 350, 400 pieces at a time was my average. Whoa, whoa. Oh, my God. Now that we've added a fourth person, we're all, we all have about 200 on average. Oh, oh, is that all? Oh, yeah. So it's, it's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're slacking is what you're saying. I get it. I get it. Well. <laughs> so I imagine, um, now, is that is it generally just like whoever has the bandwidth, they just get whatever art they need? Or is it kind of like, okay, well, all, for all the uh, Runner stuff that's all Zoe, and then for all like the Star Wars Armada stuff or Imperial Assault or whatever, that's somebody else. Is that how it's, it's divided up? It's a combination. Mm. Um, so all Netrunner stuff, yes, I do. I do all the Netrunner stuff. Yeah. Um, but as far as Star Wars stuff, that's shared between I think all of us. There, there just is, is we do so much stuff, it's hard to, right. um, 
break it into like we we mostly all each have lines that we do except for when we don't right except for, for when that's shared out right cool wow that's, that's cool so yeah. so you work on net, the network stuff obviously and how like it, it and like comparing that to something like star wars which is like the ip is very very like specific you know the the, mm-hmm. the angles of the death star hallway need to look like this and etc right like, there's only one way to do yeah the next wing. And, yep. and so how much flexibility are you guys granted with this with this ip because i know it is established by the android universe but like mm-hmm. uh, how much yes. play do you have as a as a director on on, on, on these projects so the android universe is ours yes Fantasy totally ours. Okay. yeah so <laughs> how much play oh well, it's kind of like you know when you've lived with a roommate or a sibling for your whole life <laughs> and they get mad at you depending on like where you leave your socks and that kind of thing and then you get your own place <laughs> and you're like i'm gonna put this thing right here and it's that's where it goes because i put it there that that's kind of the nice <laughs> that's awesome. really liberating and so, awesome so yeah basically you can just do whatever you want Right, but at the same time, we we want to actually build the world with the 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 team. Everybody who works on Netrunner is is so um, kind of intense about the lore and really. Um, I mean, we we love this friggin' game, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, just, you you like Damon says, like you guys play it a lot, and to work on something and play it a yes. lot is uh, it's 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 a pretty huge thing. I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that and every digital. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, and I mean, now I, I've just started playing. I uh, I mean, I, I've i been working on it since the, the very beginning. Right. Since, since we knew we had the, the license and, and, and we're going to do a thing. So I, I, in sort of a strange place where I know all the mechanics and I have a hand in all the lore and all the visuals, but I'm, man, am I terrible at this game. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean that's that's where everybody I starts. I I remember I still I saved it uh, in one of the online deck builders. I saved the very first deck I ever put together, and when I went back and looked at it, I was just like, "What is this? <laughs> this is a disaster." <laughs> well, the other day I was just I was super high strung, really stressed out. So over lunch, my friend uh, Dan Clark, who uh, was the co-creator of, of Android, nice. way back with uh, the Android board game, right. and is still he's his, our lore guru and and is the the driving force behind you know the the IP behind the behind the universe of Android. Uh, he's one of my best friends. He was like, "Let's run some nets." It's like, okay, I'm like here here's here's some chaos theory. You know, you have your dinosaurs. It's fine. I'm just gonna play Grendel. No problem. <laughs> And, um, it's this sounding fishy. A good friend, huh? <laughs> I died really hard. Like, there's a lot of meat damage involved. It didn't really make me relax much. <laughs> getting as many like um, mm. getting as much meat damage as I got. Yeah, uh, that, uh, that sounds about right. Anyway, yes. So playing the game, we all play the game uh, to varying levels of of. In... success yeah, right <laughs> but um but the lore everyone everyone feels very very intensely about the lore awesome uh i have a... and we have a lot of fun building it nice as much as i love the lore and indeed i do but i think that as soon as we start down that track we are gonna go screaming down that way forever it'll be a six-part lore episode correct yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm cool I... with that 
I, uh, well, we would be too. Uh, but I did want to just ask a little bit more about your background. So, are you originally from Minnesota, or did you did you move to Minnesota specifically to work to, at FFG? So, uh, Fantasy Flight is located in Roseville, which is right like it's, it's basically part of St. Paul. It, it's yeah. it's yeah. So basically, St. Paul. I'm from about four hours north of St. Paul, three and a half hours north. Um, and from a town called Bemidji, Minnesota. Okay. So that is amazing. Um, so my, my family, they're all my dad's side of the family. They're all Minnesota Swedes, all of them. Uh, and my grandparents, no joke, uh, used to live in Bemidji. So I've been to Bemidji many, many, many times as a kid, like over the summer. Okay. So technically they lived most of the, most of the time when I was a kid, they lived in Cass Lake, right? which is like just outside Bemidji. And then when I got a little bit older and they got a bit older, then they moved into Bemidji proper. So that's amazing. (laughs) Wow. The the smallest world. uh, Are your grandparents also Andersons? I mean, I guess. Uh, Yes. Yes, they are. The small town follow-up would be like, well, what church do they go to? Or, you know. (laughs) Oh, I don't remember. I'm, I'm sure I know them somehow or my parents know them or yeah. Yeah. It was, it was Ernest and Mary Anderson. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I mean, that's pro- that's pro- okay. That's like ten percent of the population of Minnesota, uh, yeah, right there, probably. <laughs> but I, I will, uh, I will ask my dad, and I will get back to you. That's, that's hilarious. I bet if I saw a picture of them, I'd be like, "Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, I know them." Yeah. Don't, <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, sure. Don't you know? Um, that's amazing. Okay, so you grew up in Bemidji. Were, did, yeah. were you like hardcore into art when you were a kid? It was this kind of thing where like you were always I don't I don't know what you I mean, I was, folks I was... do growing up. <laughs> were you like always doodling in notebooks? Is that just a stupid stereotype I, or is I that had, real? I kept a sketchbook with me all the time. Okay. Um because in school if you're, you know, fiddling around you'll be told to stop. But if you're drawing in like a sketchbook, um a, it's something that grown ups don't necessarily take away from you or tell you to stop. <laughs> That's, uh, that yeah. seems like work in yeah. some capacity or that's another. Right, that's right. So I always had a sketchbook on me, and I actually, um, it was, I came to gaming through Star Wars uh, West End Second Edition role playing game. Oh, oh nice. nice! Yeah, I definitely I have some fond memories of one particular Star Wars campaign I played in the old West End setting. Yeah, cool. yeah. As, so I was, I think, seventh grade. I was in the middle school musical, and two of my friends came up to me, and they're like, "Zoe, here's, you know, there's this." There's just, it's this book. It's Star Wars. It's a game. We should play it. And we were like, what's a role-playing game? So we, you know, we pawed through and figured out that it was playing pretend with structure. And so we played that a lot. Like, awesome. so much. Um, I, like, and I got super into it. Like, I had, I kept my, my miniature and my, and my character sheet on my person at all times. Um, <laughs> just, just, just in case you needed a throw down. And, <laughs> and I, and I illustrated, of course, all of our adventures. And there's, you know, there's, yeah, I, I drew, like, I tried to draw, like, little collage style posters of, like, what our, what our, what our movie poster would be for our campaign. Oh, that's so yeah, awesome. That's, that's really rad. And, and. Well, this, so, sorry, I was. I was just saying, it's kind of interesting because usually, at least for me, when I was introduced to like tabletop RPGs in high school, it was always like someone like, you know, maybe one to two grades older who like probably they learn from like an older sibling or something. And then, well, that's awesome. You also kind of like get whatever like 
genetic legacy of the way they played the game, and you just kind of assume that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, house rules right. kind of stuff. Yeah, so I think it's super interesting when when there's a group of people who all just, like, literally just take the book off the shelf yeah. of the store, and they're like, we're just going to figure this out, and you don't come to that kind of, like, gaming experience without with, with basically no preconceived notions. Right. That's so, pretty I uncommon, mean, we were, I think. Mm-hmm. We were basically playing... I mean, we were we were seventh grade. Seventh and right. eighth grade. So we were basically just playing pretend, right? Which is which is what yeah. we're playing is. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, like, I would take the, the old, the old, you know, it's the black and white ink interiors from the 90s, and, and um, I'd sit and I'd copy them. Um, so it always tickles me with, like, our new Star Wars role-playing game that maybe there's some kids out there you know, learning how to draw by like taking taking our our products and and drawing. Oh right, of yeah. course. Yeah, you're 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 doing God's work totally. Oh, yeah, it's so passing awesome. the torch. Yeah. But uh, but with as far as cards go, I've always, uh, like just regular four suit cards, four suit playing cards, played all the time. I didn't realize I was good at cards until uh, my sister went to college. Because she was a she was a sharp man. Wow, um, <laughs> and uh, so at during high school, my group of friends basically would bring decks of cards to lunch, and we'd we'd sit and we'd play multi-handed card games, uh, group solitaire, you know, uh, spite malice, that kind of stuff. Rubbing. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, no, that was that was science actually. I did a. Um, uh, biology class 10th grade we were the only my myself and my science partner uh were the only two people in the class with a's and we played rummy all through the lectures <laughs> for the entire semester and uh i think we got up to like fifteen thousand points i can't i, I, I oh my god <laughs> it was it was pretty great let uh, it let it be known zoe can game hard oh yeah <laughs> but but then my friend group uh, started. We'd we'd been we'd graduated from in in from Western Second Star Wars. We went to White Wolf Games. Yep. Okay. Right. And specifically Werewolf. Yeah. Werewolf. And then nice. uh, Werewolf had their Rage card game. Yeah, I remember oh, that. That, that, that right. now that was a sexy looking card game. It was. Yeah, it, it was. It had great art in that in that game. I yeah man, it, it, there was a lot of it, it had a lot of issues that card game. But at the time, I didn't know. I didn't, didn't care. We or care if it, if, yeah, if, yeah. If, if, if it looks like that. You're like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll let it pass. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> kind of clunky. <laughs> yep, yep. Lo- loved that card game. Played a lot. Actually, I still, I just moved. And I found my, my bin of all my rage cards. Oh, oh that's uh, so awesome. Nostalgia bomb. Yeah. So ha- did you, did, um, did Magic just kind of like skip past you guys? Like was rage kind of the first one? That you actually um, got into, as far as that kind of card game is concerned. I had uh, my godbrother was really into magic, mm. and I don't know if he just because I never invested in the money. I actually was not allowed to go to the comic book store, um, because my parents were afraid of pedophiles. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> bro, like they had. I, oh, okay, because like kids it, was, comic it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I wasn't allowed to go to the comic book store, really. I, I mean, I was, but not like, you know, it was, it was really a rare thing. And, and right. um, um, 
my parents were very careful about like the media I consumed and that kind of thing. Like I, I had a hollow book that I kept my rage deck in. Oh man, that's, that's incredible. That, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> because because if your parents found the rage cards, they'd, they'd probably explode or something. Well, they... well, you know, they were they were supportive, but yeah, I I, I sold uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse with the with the because they'd done Star Wars right, and Star Wars was a, it, it wasn't it was in just coming out of it was I it was just coming out of the like Dungeons and Dragons the satanic scare. Yeah, right. oh yeah. That hit everybody. So my my parents had heard that Dungeons and Dragons was unhealthy and they were concerned about it. But they knew Star Wars and they were comfortable with Star Wars. Right. So that was a good entry point. Nice. And um and then from there it was like it's it's like remember Star Wars, the Star Wars game I was playing? It's like that game, except they're warriors for the earth, right? They're like the pre- guy yeah, the guy the werewolf. Yeah, there you go, right. man. You really <laughs> <laughs> those those were, those werewolves just rolled in in that Trojan horse of Star Wars, <laughs> right, right? Well, well, and I I don't know. I've I've always been, uh, I've I've always liked to play my best self. So right. I, I you know I, I stayed very far away from playing bad guys and right and too much horrible murder. Bad. That's awesome. Um. So you played tons of rat games in high school then did you like go to art school after that did you oh. know that kind of like art is what you wanted to do as a as a career well and, I, then you, did, and did you just play rummy through art school or something <laughs> yeah, no, no, i actually went to i went to a liberal arts school okay uh, intent on doing something that was i mean i i i loved science i loved everything except math math made me cry oh well it didn't make me cry it gave me a headache fair um, <laughs> so i loved everything and went to liberal arts school intent on like changing the world somehow, uh, like which I was pretty sure was uh, going to be science somehow. Right. So I, I was I was in environmental studies, and I was all set to like do a study abroad, like at Kenya with park management, and then um, chemistry hated me back. <laughs> oh yes, because chemistry is actually basically just math. Yeah, chemistry beat me up and took my pants away, and <laughs> I went crying to the art department which you know of course took me in because it took me two years to figure out that chemistry hated me back i was so you know i I tried to make it work and it just right um so i i sort of like accidentally got an art degree um (laughs) as you do like you do like you do (laughs) like you do and then my senior seminar in art was something like art on the edge and over and surviving in the art world and it was all about contemporary art and 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 I just like gallery politics and I hated it so much I basically like washed my hands of the art world and decided never to be part of it ever again and oh, and crazy uh, <laughs> and then I went through a series of really really weird jobs really weird jobs hey, um, how weird is weird were you, were you like a crime scene cleaner <laughs> <laughs> well I was a uh, um I was a, for a while I did security and uh, at night shift in an ER. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, that, that qualified. <laughs> and then I was a, um, a substitute EBD teacher in the middle school. I don't know what EBD, EBD helps out. Hey, we live up in like, Canada. The emotionally, behaviorally um, delayed or disturbed. 
Ah, uh, okay. So it's basically like the bad kids, right? The kids that yeah, can't, right. that can't function in the normal classroom. Well, the, well, the Dungeons and Dragons kids. <laughs> <laughs> pro- pro- probably. So yeah, so it was like the behaviorally behaviorally disturbed kids. Sure. You know, put them all in a room, and I was their substitute teacher. Right. So. <laughs> that's that's hardcore. <laughs> And, oh, just some others I, I probably shouldn't, you know, like, you know. Okay, so, okay, so after this, this interesting bout of jobs, where, like, how, how do you find yourself uh, where you are now? Well, um, one of my interesting jobs was, I, it was a temp job doing uh, standardized test correcting for... <laughs> Which, okay. which is basically for rhinoceroses. Take, <laughs> well, well, for for the uh, for the United States, right? Like you, the different states and their standardized test essay answers to this. Ah. Oh, and, and, okay, and okay. And then you yeah, take yeah. a rubric and you go through and you go through every student's. You you grade all the standardized test essays. Right. And um, basically, it's basically the, the ones the computers can't do. Right. It was basically like out of work intellectual camp. Because, <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> because you, you'd go to work every day and it'd all be like these super smart super interesting people who had taken this as a temp job and uh and there'd be times there'd be whole days where you had to wait for the test answers to come in to be able to correct them so you, some days you'd get in and there'd be nothing to do so you just sit around for eight hours so i had brought in i think i'd gotten a, a copy of changeling the dreaming and i, I wanted to read through it Nice. And uh, my friend and I played Mancala every day over lunch. And the IT guy came up behind me and he's like, so, uh, you know, there's there's better games than that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? And he's like, no, no, no. Here, let me, I'm going to bring in some games. And so I think the first one he taught me was Blue Moon. I don't know if I you guys know. played Blue Moon. No. It's a Reiner Kinesia. Oh, okay. Uh, it's one of Kinesia's games. Sure. Okay. It's so it's it's sort of magic e, but it's right. it's a self-contained. It's a non-collectible card game. Okay. One on one, um, the art is, art is like Todd Lockwood. It, it's all gorgeous. Uh, oh, nice. So, I played that, and then pretty soon people were watching him and me playing these games, and so eventually we had this group of people that would just sit and play games. Um, and after the temp job ended, we all decided, well, screw that. We want to keep playing games. So we'd all get together <laughs> to, you know, Insta game group. That's awesome. Wow. And that guy was actually like a year later after, you know, once a week going over to his place to play games. He was like, hey, uh, Zoe, so, so Fantasy Flights, uh, Fantasy Flights hiring an art director. I was like, oh, that's, that's awesome. I hope they get somebody good. <laughs> <laughs> and then basically they, they made me. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't think I could do it. And, and they made me go in and, and I got the job. And eight years Nine later, years here later. I am. Here we yeah. are. Man, nice. that's awesome. What a, what, what a great way of getting there. Like, yeah, that's a cool ride. Because yeah. I know, I, I know I'm, I'm in, in games, especially like a lot of art directors, they didn't... Uh, People that are art directing in games, sometimes they're they just kind of get thrown in, and they're not really big gamers or something. So there's there's a bit of a disconnect in um in the way in what they bring to the work. But you you were actually like armpit deep in gaming, 
and yeah. you're an artist, and now you're art directing. So that just sounds like the perfect fit. It really well, does. It, the the art director for Magic uh, Magic the Gathering says that the people's path to becoming an art director is very similar in ways to like people's path to becoming a sports mascot. Like <laughs> it, it's not really a, it's, good. It's not really something that you sit down and you're like, I want to be an art director. Okay, well, let's, you know, find you the steps to make you be an art director. It, no, right. It, it First really, do A, then B, then yeah, okay. It, it does not exist. It does not really happen that way. I don't, I don't know anyone for whom it has happened that way. Man, that is fascinating. Uh, well, I mean, relatedly, so like at a, at a super high level, especially for someone like me who doesn't really know much about any of this stuff, like what is the actual domain and responsibility of an art director? on a project like Netrunner. Like I, I can kind of guess, but I imagine that's probably only like half true. Okay. So the way that we're structured, our department structured is we have a manager who, um, discovers scheduling. He's basically our tank. If we're in MMO terms, good. Right? Right. Like he, he, he deals with everything. So we've sort of external and internal stuff. So we don't have to anything that right. doesn't relate to our job. Our manager kind of a- deals with, Producery type in like in digital games, it sounds kind of like what a producer would do. Lots of scheduling and that kind of stuff, right? Yes. So, well, so your so your DPS games themselves are... have a producer. So the, right. The 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 games project has a producer, and the art department's kind of a hub um, that interfaces with all of the producers mm, to mm. get to get their work done. Got it. Um, so while one art team, uh, well, one, one dev team with one producer might be doing one project we're working on all the projects that all the producers are working on right Does right, that right. make sense okay yes wow yeah so so the manager says like okay coming up in the next six months this is what i need you to be doing I'm like okay um and then i will interface with the producer or the developer to, you know, we, we'll have a timeline, that kind of thing, and we have to we get started way, way, way in advance. I'm already working uh, two cycles ahead of what's coming out right now. Oh so man, we I live so far in the future. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think Sansan we started working on was it a year ago? That yeah, Jesse and I play tested that, and we play tested it like last summer, right? Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah, it, and I'm sure, and obviously, I'm sure development wise, you guys were on it like way before that even. Yeah. So I got, I, I got to say, the art looks a lot better than those blank proxy cards. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's kind of like this is okay, but <laughs> man, it is so much fun to play. Okay, so uh, Netrunner is kind of kind of a unique animal because um, we 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 mesh the visuals and the a lot of the world building is done through the visuals right as you guys mm-hmm. know uh, yeah because there isn't there isn't this big like established other media franchise that exists in like digital games or movies or whatever like basically all the you know world building of netrunner i mean there's like a little bit from the original board game but at this point like it's almost all on the cards now, it's all through basically. the cards yes which is so much fun because right. The Netrunner fandom is so sharp. It's such an intelligent <laughs> It's such an intelligent fandom, so it is really fun to be like, ooh, Easter egg, let's put it in here. Like to just yeah, sort of that, lay that, these little 
that constantly blows everyone's yeah. minds when they see like characters and other cards or things like that. Yeah. Well, there was something I, I can't remember if we mentioned this on the last cast or not. Um, there was on the alt art for the uh, private security force. Right. Mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. was one of the, one of the um, one of the private security force people. Uh, had like a very yes had like a very small logo on their shoulder and then when in order and chaos there was a big copy of that logo like smashed on the side of the argus building it's like oh wait a minute that's because those guys are oh that's so cool (laughs) yep we have so much fun so so basically and this is like it takes a little bit of time so i think at first execs were like oh it's a lot of man hours but it's it's turned out so well so initially what we did was the um the devs did the uh, made the mechanics, came up with concepts, uh, wrote general art descriptions. Um, I would edit them to make make sure that they would make sense to artists, and you know that they wouldn't be because it's hard to think visually if you're a math guy, right? Like right. not not everybody, not everyone, unless you have your fingers in art all the time, it's hard to understand what's predict what's going to make a good visual or yeah. not um or what's too complicated or what's redundant or what's uh so i used to just sort of edit them and we'd, we'd send them out to artists and kind of see what we'd get uh, what we've started doing and the first thing we really did it was was the box before san san but san san was when we sort of really figured out the system in our stride and 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 how that was going to work so that's another reason why i'm so excited for you know the the subsequent packs to come out people to see what's going on so what we do is just when there's the raw mechanics we'll have what we call the concepting meeting and the story team will get together which is um lucas damon dan clark um a woman named katrina ostrander who's our she's sort of the the lore keeper she, you know, she keeps our, you know, internal wiki up to date. She edits, you know, our, you know, she has all the sources from like the books. She, she knows everything, right? Right. Um, and, and me. So those, those five of us will sit down in a room and we'll say, this mechanic does this. This is what I'm thinking about. And we'll go through card by card by card, um, having previously figured out what the themes of each pack are going to be and like mm-hmm. what the overarching ideas and just sort of general lore and we'll take the mechanic and we'll sort of talk out how that might visually manifest like what what does that look like what does that mechanic look like right um and then we'll go away and everyone sort of has a group that of the stuff we've decided on uh we'll write out that description that brief uh, come back, groom it, make sure everyone's happy with everything. And those are the, the, the sort of the text briefs that I have that I'll give out to artists. So that's mm. usually about 120 to 130 at a time. Right. So we, so you we basically, commission... Yeah, so you guys will plan out, like, do that kind of planning for an entire cycle of cards. And then yes. that once all that's put together, that's when it gets dispatched to all the freelancers. Yes. Yep. Got it. So, so we do like a whole, a whole cycle at one time, and we'll dispatch to freelance. You know, I'll I'll make um, I I have a bunch of artists that I work with. We have a database with hundreds of artists, mm. and um, and then I will also be scouting for people. Like, 
scouring the internet for people. Oh, who, that's who cool. Would work for it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very fun. Um, and so I will come up with like my dream team, like who who I want to be, you know, stylistically, and who I think sort of feels like they could get it. Right. Um, oh, interesting. I make, I make a big list of those people, and send them all an email saying like hey this is my timeline this is how much i can pay you per per card per illustration what's your um, availability sort of yeah thing. yeah what's your it, i'd love to have you paint this this is what it's about um if you like if you're interested let me know how many pieces you can do in that timeline comfortably mm. and so then you're also I'll a recruiter get... as well <laughs> basically yeah well, <laughs> well and then you get a response back on that like oh i'd love to i can get you know, I can do three cards, I can do one card, I can do, you know, and so I, this last cycle, I, um, uh, I sent an email out to 150 artists. Um. That's more than one artist per card. <laughs> right. And I got 70, 80 responses back. Okay. Um, so then you have. So basically that, that lets you know you have a certain number of artists that can take a certain amount of cards. Right. And then you have, you know, the content of each of the card. And every artist has a specialty, right? Like they could be good people or they're good at environments or what they're really good at is tech. Or, mm. you know, and then you have the cyberspace angle. Like this person right. is awesome at this kind of cyberspace. Um, so it becomes a big Sudoku game. Huge, huge, complicated Sudoku game. Right. Where you have to figure out, like, play to everybody's strengths, make sure nobody's overloaded, but everyone who asks for a piece gets one, and it takes forever. Man. Do you just have, like, a giant, like, basically crazy serial killer wall where it's, like, cards and strings and, like, scribbled notes? It's a beautiful mind. (laughs) Better, I have a database. Oh, man. Okay, hardcore. Well, at least you got the an actual tool to solve that problem. <laughs> yes. Not some analog yeah, exactly. shed behind the office. Exactly. Um, yeah, because, I mean, just even though, obviously, I, I, oh, sorry, keep going. I used to be back in the day, we'd do it by spreadsheets, or I, I would do it by spreadsheets, because it was just right. me. Um, so, yeah, we the whole Sudoku, which basically you set aside a day to sit there and, like, agonize over who's getting what because that's going to be what sets yourself up as an art director if your next month is going to be awesome or 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 kind of hellish a nightmare yeah. right. <laughs> right so then people send back sketches and um i'll send back because a- after this point the rest of the story team like they're off doing their their mechanics thing right like the now now it's sort of just 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 me um so sketches uh, you know, make sure it's you, you want to make sure that it's in line with what everyone had talked about, that, you know, it, it's, it fits the IP, that that the composition is going to be successful, that it works in the card layout, all those kind of things, that the story is going to read at size. It's so tiny. Right. Um, then once you approve that, then people take things to finals. So when they go to finals, if I like it, like if I don't like it, then I send back notes and, you know, they revise. Mm-hmm. Um and if I like it, then I bring it to my manager and he goes through it. And like having an extra pair of eyes on a piece of art is just so, so helpful. Like half a, a big part of my job as an art director is just to be that extra pair of eyes and be like, Ooh, did you, can you double check that anatomy for me? Cause it just, mm. and the artist would be like, Oh yeah. Wow. I didn't see that. Yes. 
Um, and, and my manager does the same thing for me. Right. Um, stuff that I see, like he'll see stuff that I just didn't even notice because I'd been staring at it for way too long. Um, so once he approves things, then they're approved. And then it goes off into layout land where the graphic designers lay things out. And, and um, flavor text is done generally by um, Lucas Damon and Dan. Mm. Uh, Dan Clark. I don't know. Do you guys do you guys know Dan Clark at all? Do you know Dan? Not really. He's fabulous. He's wonderful. Um, he did he did work on the original board game, right? He worked on the original board game. This, this yep. is okay. the guru lore we've been told. told yeah, about. yeah. He's yeah. the sort of the IP creator. Right. Cool. Um, he does a lot a lot of the flavor texts. A lot. That's of good because because the flavor text is on fire. Everybody yeah. loves that stuff. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. Yeah. It's really good. And sometimes there'll be a piece of art, like I just got a piece of art and it was, there's sort of a, a language barrier problem. Like mm. I asked for something, but I used a figure of speech that was misinterpreted in a way that was just bizarre, but it was so weird that I just, it was too awesome not to keep. Right. It, it was a happy accident. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I was like, this is really bizarre, but I really want to keep it. Oh, that's <laughs> and, so good. <laughs> And so he's like, ah, we'll fix it in flavor text, right? Like, right. <laughs> That's good. It, it has a, it, it has a we'll, final we'll, stop. We'll fix it in post. post. Don't worry about post it. Is flavor, right. flavor text is the post of card games. Right. right. I like that. Well, I, I mean, you've got the, the three points of narrative. Well, I mean, four if, you know, mechanics, but that's super abstract. So you have three right. concrete points of narrative uh, on the card itself, which are the, the title, the art. And, and the flavor text and it's how right. those interact with each other and kind of like uh, you know like how, how knock knock jokes some of the the, the funny knock knock jokes happen when you like play with a structure right. right yeah it's that kind uh, of thing Ugh. yes <laughs> cool I, 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 I had a question so you're talking about how you had guys that deal with guys and gals that deal with like cyberspace like the icebreakers and the ice walls yep, yep, and, yep. and that kind of thing so when you were starting or does this because it seems very kind of organic the way you guys approach it visually it's like oh this is actually literally a little dog and over here this is just some crazy abstract acid dream like it um can you, can you tell me how you how you came to that or like I, like ideas on how 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 you even approach something as abstract as an icebreaker that breaks through code and that kind of thing. So back in the day, when we before we started on the core set, even when we knew we had we knew we were doing the game, but we didn't know what we were doing with it. Um, I sat down with Andrew Navarro, who is the manager the manager of our department at the time, and I was like, Andrew, you know, we're doing all of these other card lines, and they all have this one art art style to them they all come from the same art style pool we're drowning we need we need to branch off into something more stylistic and we can do that with this he, he was totally on board he's like yeah absolutely we need to you know go more stylized um and then he was like i need to figure out something to do with the cyberspace because i don't want to do the tron thing Right. <laughs> thank you. Not, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Good work. <laughs> and um, and I remember him coming. He's like, I know what we're gonna do. I was like, what? He's gonna... abstracts. We're gonna do abstracts. I was like, okay. All right. Let's. Okay. I get. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure. Okay. So uh, and a lot of that is up to the artist as far as like how concrete or like the cool thing about cyberspace is it's 
an individual's perceptions of cyberspace. Right? right. It's the manifestation of how you think about a thing. Yeah. Right. So like um, Eli, right? Eli is a an AI's uh, manifestation of how it thinks about itself. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> right. Good. So that's good. Yes. So that's what that's what these things are. So like someone someone on a board had asked about. Um, what what is the card title the thing that's on the cover for the valley um yeah that's so it's, for, it's i'm pretty blue. sure it has the the things putting the the rods into its head oh, oh no I, I, I found it one second here oh here you go it is called predictive algorithm predictive is algorithm that, yes and, yeah, oh and, and okay it's, and it's got the thing shoving in it's oh wait the, is that actually what's on the cover of the valley or the, it's on the packaging for something. It's not the covering for the val- packaging for the. Oh, yeah, it's it's it's, for... it's it's rad looking. It's like someone's firing golden rebar through an alien. Oh yeah, that, no, I think that it, is the on... cover of the valley. I just didn't put that together because oh, okay. I'm adult. <laughs> <laughs> yes, predictive algorithm. That's right. So, predictive algorithm is an AI whose entire job is to make predictions about things. It's it's cyberspace manifestation of how it thinks about itself yeah, oh so my like, god so okay so yeah that's yeah um, we're, we're, we're just uh, looking over it and it's a it's really really great <laughs> so so that kind of a lot of a lot of cyberspace cards are basically like this card does this this is the mechanics for this card in 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 lore terms, this is a program that does this, and what your your job is is to come up with how that program manifests itself. Right, and it looks like Ethan Patrick Harris just knocked it out of the park. Yeah, oh, he's <laughs> like, holy crap! <laughs> well, I mean, I guess like as far as all the cyberspace stuff is concerned, there's kind of, yeah, there are kind of like the two different reasons why a thing may exist. Right, it's like I well, either this was just some software that was written by a human being somewhere. Right. Like, an ice wall or whatever. Right. Uh, At which, which point, you know, R&D might be just kind of trollingly a bit literal. Literalist, yes. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like, oh, no, this is a thing that actually has some amount of artificial intelligence. So it's manifesting itself in a way that right. is like based on its own personality, so to speak. I had never thought about that. That is so weird and so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> right. But that's that's so that's a lot of what of what how we think about when we're, we're sitting in the story team coming up with visuals. Right. It's like, okay, how does this manifest? How does, okay, it does this. What, what does that look like? Right. And oh then, my God. So, that's so awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, I wish I could show you some of the alternate sketches. Cause basically like Adam Doyle, um, I'll just give him a concept and he'll give me seven completely different off the wall sketches that I get to choose nice. from, and it's like Christmas morning, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> it's art Christmas, or or more like the candy store, right? Like I can only get one, but there's all this delicious stuff. How do I choose? Right, right. Um, there's a I do a lot of okay, but hold on to the sketch because we might want to use it later. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's 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 oh, how man, cyber. That's yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, it's that's really cool. It's really it's so much fun, man. These meetings are. I mean, maybe I'm a little bit of a freak, but I love these meetings. They are a blast. Yeah. Well, no, I mean that's a thing that like, 
I guess it is probably unique in that Netrunner has the opportunity to do this, but a lot of other, you know, analog games just kind of have to be literal because they're, the things they're trying to depict are literally that, right? Like, yeah, they, they, right. They, they only have one home to yeah. live in. If there's like, you know, Game of Thrones card game, whatever, it's like, okay, well, this needs to look like Nymeria Sand because that's what the card is. So <laughs> right. it's like someone can do their interpretation of that lady, but ultimately it's like it's a Dornish lady. Right, and it well, like it can be communicating other things, but it's just like the bounds of what it needs to be are literally just the name of the character. Right. While with Netrunner, it's like okay, well, there's the IDs, but everything aside from that is like often kind of just more conceptual generally. But then there's all the cyberspace stuff, which is just like bonkers off the wall, and which is so super fun. Yeah, it's it's rich with opportunity, but I think it's also it would be really easy to do that stuff very badly. Like to have that like stuff Tron, like Tron, Tron style Tron look something. like the old Netrunner game or whatever, where it's not really evocative. It's just kind of like, eh, it's just sort of a weird thing. And I think one of the great successes about Netrunner and why it feels so cohesive is that I get, it, it's fascinating now to hear that this is like, this is not an, just a happy accident that you guys actually have like a big hard process for making sure yeah. that all these things fit together really well. But I, that, that is one of my favorite things thematically about the game for sure is that all that stuff that could just be like, oh, it's just the internet, so whatever, it can be whatever it wants, is that actually, no, there's a lot of, like, very serious decisions that are made, and all that stuff feels cohesive, even when it totally doesn't have to, and it would still right. obviously be sufficient. That's, well, and, yeah, and that part of the fun part is, like, yeah, it's the internet. It can't be whatever it wants, so what does it want? Right. Like, that's the that's really the question. Um, Man. Even with Meat Space... Like, we try very hard to not do the obvious thing. Like, mm -hmm. there is there is the occasional, like, visual trope that works itself in. Like, there's only so many, like, poses you can have, <laughs> you know, the, the smug, douchey businessman. <laughs> right. The, the, right. The, 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 the Waylander. <laughs> the, the two arms behind, behind the head. <laughs> right, like, exactly. Like, kind of up behind the desk. <laughs> and and the, other, uh, the other day I looked at it and I was like, God damn it, I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just gotta have, it's like, well, that is just the platonic form of business yeah, right. douche. And, so. and also, right. it's like, I, I like how flat that makes a, a lot of the co corporate doing seem I, I, I don't know i think i think that lends itself well to uh to their mentality of we're we're not flexible thinkers we're tried tested and true and being smug with our hands behind our back and our, our hands right. behind our head and feet up that's that's yeah. That, yeah, that's, that's where we want to be <laughs> but the uh we try very hard to avoid that in, right right just about every case and in fact there would be there's a lot of like hey didn't we just like isn't that that's gonna turn out really similar to this other thing we just talked about Okay, uh, so let's come at it from a different angle. How would mm, uh, so, so we? I got we, it. I, uh, Zoe, sorry, a, a POV of your feet up on a desk. Right. So <laughs> they're actually shooting right. from the eyes of the business guy. <laughs> so, so we we try uh, to to come at it from 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 angles that aren't the the obvious in right. most cases. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So I mean, that's so. Because this is just the most recent thing that was in my mind, because uh, the the valley obviously ju is just available now for us to actually purchase and play with. Um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting in that set was like this is the start of all the genetics yeah. stuff for the runners, right, right. And the presentation for all, uh, at least everything in the valley like was sixties was right? all these like sixties era billboards that actually totally to me at least felt like the plasmid ads from Bio Bioshock, yeah, Bioshock, yeah, which was of well, course meant to like 
evoke you know this kind of like the 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 yeah. science the, the 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 future afforded by crazy 60s era science there's something wrong with you and this will fix it like that yeah kinda, yeah so i don't know if that was intentional or well that part of part of, like i when i saw the pack i sort of went oh ooh. Because <laughs> when we when we put everything when we when we make all the briefs right when we when we when we come up with all these ideas it's all in one clump mm-hmm. and because I'm not doing the on on the design mechanics team I'm not necessarily aware all the time of what's going to be in one pack so that I series, see how how the whole 120 gets divvied up uh, right okay. right so. I had in my head that that series was going to be like one in each pack. Like so stretched stretch, related... stretch across, right? So, uh, so when you put them all in one pack, it becomes a really like concentrated um, sort of theming. It becomes a very loud theme as right. opposed yeah. to if you put one one in each pack throughout the the cycle, and then you just sort of have a little um, sort of. Through line, accent basically. notes of that right. yeah yeah um, so that was yeah yeah so um it, i mean the netrunner android was uh, initially um cyber noir like right. the, the board game so yeah there's a lot of that uh bordering from different um sort of 20th century pastiches um, and when it came to, and at Sansan, um, Sansan cycle in general, we start, it's, it's always hard when you put text in the card visual and not mm. just on the card layout. Right. Mm. Yeah. Like, like, like the poster on, um, the eyes or whatever, this right. guy with the shark and there's still writing on it. Right. It's like, yeah. Yes. And then that's, and that was very, um. That was something that that I I personally struggled with a lot as far as like okay how are we gonna show hmm wait <laughs> yeah <laughs> right um, I, I I actually so it, I, it, I, it turned out I think um, but if you were to ask me like what I'm uh, for for the entire for the entire six cycles six card set the thing that I'm probably most critical about myself as an art director would be um, though that sp- specific suite of cards. Interesting. Because um, I actually really liked them. I like them too. I just... Right. Uh, text on text is hard. Right, right. right. I, I actually thought it was really interesting because um, the idea of G-modding and modifying yourself, it's, it's, it, it, it can be grim, right? Like we have these chop shops. We have these like this dirty kind of strange place to be in that's a pretty kind of um, graphic and then we have the, the the levity of a of a little heart running in a marathon a little yes. and like uh, like uh, oh like a, a giant ad that's a baby with a symmetrical face like it, it adds like a balance of um like 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 I, like I was saying like like levity to something that could be really kind of dark and and seedy and and I, I, I found that pretty interesting and what is it like for you working on a game and tying in you know some 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 jokes and then all while still have this noir stuff of like, oh yeah, we can just blow up this city block and murder a whole bunch of people. So like, where, how, how, is there like, a, is there like a push and pull? Like, oh, that's, that's too dark. That's, that's too light. Uh, let's try to stay in the gray or is it, is it pretty much just as, as you go? Well, I, I think, um, the story team is, I mean, 
I guess if you sat in our meetings and if you met all of us, like our our sense, like our sense of humor as a group, kind of comes through in Netrunner. That kind of right. Uh, <laughs> it, it's very much in our. Um, yes, it, it, it's it's sort of there, there's a lot of 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 us in 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 the flavor. That's for sure. That's uh, good. That's how and, that's how it should be. What, I think. Yeah. And what we think is funny, right? Um, but yeah, there is there is a certain push and pull as far as like, ooh, that turned out super dark. <laughs> well, right. I mean, it is it is dark. I mean, uh, Dan had to to lighten up the um, clone retirement. Uh, oh, yes. oh, <laughs> lighten it up. That, oh, yeah, that's that, that's that the light was, version. Yeah, it was, it was super dark. Um, <laughs> like, like like bodies and dumpsters or something or what? No, no, I can't remember exactly what it was. I just remember it. Pretty grim. Like, yeah, we lightened it up. <laughs> um, well, I mean, sometimes that I mean, maybe that's kind of the strength, right? Because like, clone retirement has a touch of subtlety, and like th- that is still like thematically one of my favorite bloody cards in the entire game, right? And and it's... again, it comes down to like how awesome the fandom is because we can be subtle, like we don't have right. to hit and you guys everybody... over the yeah. head with things. We can <laughs> yeah. we can just imply stuff and give people the space to do their own storytelling inside right. what we give them and that's that's really what we want to do we, we we want to um yeah it, it's it's flavorful but we don't need to to beat y'all with it yeah for sure you you see like the the uh there's as many mechanic discussions there are there's so much flavor discussions and lore discussions and let's just discuss why this card like who's this on this card and why is that there oh wow right. santiago's here so he he does this and all this stuff so yeah. like yeah, but then and, and then often that stuff is still also reflected in the mechanics, like the fact that clone retirement gives the corp removes a, a bad publicity if the corp scores it, yeah. but gives a bad publicity if the runner steals it. Depending on how they spin it, yeah, yeah. that that alone is just like, oh my god, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, we have we have a lot of fun theming the cards, and most of uh. those, the majority of those Easter eggs are very intentional, and there's several out there that haven't been found yet. Oh great! Oh, okay, nice. well, not not okay. Not to spoil any of the undiscovered ones, but right, of right. the ones that are kind of known, do you have a favorite or a couple favorites? Oh well, I don't know. Um, well, I mean, some of the ones that that were like sort of my ideas that I I've that I I things that I'm most proud of are probably the the time I um I went up to Damon is like, hey Damon, um. So next time we have a Jinteki economy card, could we just have a teacup giraffe, please? Because I just really <laughs> need a teacup giraffe, please. So that, so you're responsible for <laughs> that, the Miranda Rhapsody's tiny giraffe. That was me needing a teacup giraffe really badly. That's uh, the, okay. Approved. Good. Good. <laughs> so I mean, and there's a lot of that. Everybody in the in the story group contributes. Um, those those kind of things where they're like you know it'd be really awesome if we did you know we just sort of do with what we think is awesome and hope you guys think it's awesome too good uh, good i i actually hope a lot of, I, hope, I hope other places are picking up this practice because it's obviously working for you guys yeah like wow <laughs> yeah but we we do a lot of um and in fact like dan and i'll go to lunch and we'll just you know dream out loud over lunch and then we come back and you know share it. we had this idea and... Oh man, that's so awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. I think it's probably nice too is that like 
obviously you can do this in digital games, but because digital games have so many, the, the components are just way more enmeshed with each other. The right. fact that like in an analog game, especially a card game, it's like oh, each individual card is kind of its own separate unit. So you can kind of just have a, one goofy idea and you don't, especially like theme presentationally, you don't have to ask nearly as much, well, how is this going to fit in with these 10 other things? And the player might do this other weird thing and look at this from this weird angle or whatever. It's like, well, we can just have a little small, cool one-off thing on this card and it will basically just be hermetically sealed by itself and it can just be cool. Right. Um, I'm a little bit jealous of being able to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And then the fun thing is you do that sort of like off in its own little, little world. And then you're still constantly making decks and new things so you can you come up with an idea and like oh it ties back to this and this and this and how can we show right. that um so it yeah it's it's <sighs> super fun that's awesome um so when it comes to i mean i'm sure this is uh a thing you all keep well internally but like what is there kind of like a specific like set of attributes you have with respect to all the different factions because obviously that's one of like the most uh, largest most defining whatever like characteristic between all the different cards is like oh what faction does this belong to mm-hmm. yeah like, like 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 does it need to look like a shaper card do you have like a, a checklist so to speak or something that goes through each faction well i mean that a lot of that gets worked out in in concepting so mm. this is a mechanic this is a shaper mechanic how would a shaper do this thing Right. How does this manifest specifically for shapers, and that and that really comes out in what we tell the artists to to illustrate. Right. Mm. Like this this uh, this anarch looks too clean cut. This 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 criminal looks too. You know, well, no, I mean we, we put it out. It, it we put it out in the front, right? So right, okay. instead of waiting till the art comes in and then giving that note, we think of like, okay, this is going to be anarch. So it's going to be angry. <laughs> right, right. And um, whereas the same thing with Shaper, you know, would, would have its, its shaperiness. So the way we describe what, what we want illustrated to the artist changes depending on the faction. Mm-hmm. And then we, we try very hard to give the artist enough room to bring themselves to the piece. Right, right. Because uh, if we dictated every little thing, about it and if we and and part of a problem we ran into early is that everyone before we had this this process of of enmeshing everything is that every individual in the process would have a very specific idea that wasn't a shared idea but they had it Mm. and and people would get really possessive of that so it would it would cause sort of um just tension that wasn't that wasn't necessary um it was just getting too attached to ideas um, so we try really hard to uh, come to consensus on ideas and also leave enough room in that idea for the artist to to bring themselves and their own and their own imagination to it. Right. Do, do, you, do you find working with the same artist um, over and over again? Do you kind of get a more interesting uh, part like exchange of information like oh now now maybe maybe they play the game or maybe they're oh i know how what ice what ice oh, should look like now or something man. like that liga Schmuskana. i was gonna mention liga Schmuskana because she's like my favorite i think she's my favorite netrunner artist she's, she's one of my favorites for sure she's I, so great i don't even have to give her a brief i just say yeah. here's the mechanic <laughs> we want it flavored this way go here's the yeah. title uh, and a mechanic go have oh fun. man 
Yeah, I've, 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 I'm like, I'm in love with all her stuff. Yeah. It looks she, so good. She, she did the new alt art pop up. That's right, right. Yeah. And yeah, that yeah. thing, that thing is. Like, I can't even imagine what the brief for that was, but I guess maybe it didn't exist. It's just like a pop-up window. It needs to be insane. Go. Yeah, it's 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 loud and it feels throwbacky and it like it feels like retro. Yeah, like retro. Like She's... and oh, it's just oh man. Fire. There's some stuff for Liga coming up that just oh good. I was I was actually gonna ask. Maybe you can tell that there's at least cards in the, in the works because I'm super excited. She just keeps blowing my socks off, man. She just keeps getting better. It's God, awesome. that's awesome. It's amazing. I'll... But, also, also, it seems that you guys like let them sell their own prints, right? Like you actually don't own, right. yeah. Like see, like, oh, okay, we, that's we own that's actually it, a but huge. They, have... they yeah, they can sell it themselves. Yes, we own. Yeah, it, they but can they make have money off permission it. to sell prints. Yep. See, nice. so that's and that doesn't happen a lot. A lot of artists get kind of oh, a lot of artists I know that are in 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 big bigger companies like they can't even show the work. On, in their portfolio, in their in their portfolio, or in the game that's been canceled and is not coming out. Right. Right, and you guys seem to have a lot of flexibility, and like artists must actually like you guys quite quite a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, we we try very hard to be um, as as fair as we can. I mean, we work with a lot of licenses, so when right. it's art, when it's ours, we can be like, yes, yeah. Right, sell of course. Some yeah, yeah. Make you some can't money just be like, of yeah, for work. sure. You know I mean? S- sell that illustration of Darth Vader. I'm, I'm sure Disney won't send you a strongly worded letter. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's rough. Um, yeah, not really an option. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so yes, the Netrunner is 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 really nice because we can we can give that permission. Right, which, yeah, is, that's which cool. is awesome. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm sure everyone would want to give those artists permissions. You guys just can because of the the situation you're in. Which, yes, which is which is yeah. cool. Um, whereas, oh, what was I going to say? Uh, we and because we have these artists that we work with repeatedly, we work with a lot of new artists too. Like sure. every new, every project, there's at least I think a third uh, new people that come in. Nice. Um, Keeps it fresh for sure. Yeah. yeah well. Um, the people, people like Liga, and Adam, and and Matt certainly Zeilinger, um, yeah. they can really be part of that of of sort of the development process and the world building process of like, hey, we want to do this. Have fun, dream, you know, show me, show me, show me how that looks. Right. Um, and that's and that's really great. That's a lot of fun to be able to see. Yeah, that's cool. I think I think there's probably like a lot of value in having at least some consistency with people because like at this point, you know, I see a card that was illustrated by Matt, and I'm like, okay, that was one of his cards. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, 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 exactly. And they can do, and they like even it's crazy how like how much weight just one image can carry. Like the art for Day Job says everything you need to know about Max, yeah. and that's. <laughs> It's so good. Yeah, I on, love on that piece card. so much. Her tie is backwards. Did you notice that? Oh, what? Oh, no, what? I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. So good. Awesome. Yeah, I love uh. it. And, and and I I guess the, the 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 name tag and the flavor mix up is is it's on purpose. It's on purpose. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course. So so oh, absolutely. So great. Yeah. I'm I, not I, I tell guess, you what I guess Max's name is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Max's name is Max. <laughs> Neither oh, is she. Well. Right. Like. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's so interesting seeing that like there's there's like the stable stuff in the real world, and then then we have like these almost dreamscape areas like like Xanadu. Like we have uh, virtual places, 
right. uh, the, 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 that you guys can tackle. And it's it, it actually, no matter if, if you get tired of the abstract of the strange, then you have a safe cyberpunky place to visit. And if you get tired of that because, you know, Chilo's too smoggy or something, you can go to Xanadu. It's like, you can actually well, go anywhere you want and not get, like, your brain doesn't get tired. Your eyes don't get tired. Yeah. And, and that comes down to who you assign the piece to. Hmm. Because some artists are just very abstract. So I know if I give them the piece, they're going to give me something extremely abstract. Some people are going to take that abstractness and make it just a little bit more concrete. Like Hannah Christensen, right? Like, you'll, you'll have to fill me in a little bit. Uh, you... She did, I think, Progenitor and Gravedigger. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so there's a bit of like, 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 yeah, like you're saying, like concrete, like so some it's, literal. It's abstract and surreal. But there's yeah. it's 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 just a bit more concrete. Right. So it depends. It, it's, st- on... it's still a gross skeleton guy with a shovel. Yeah. He doesn't have any skin. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So it's it's depending on the feel of what you want for the card. It's, it's dependent on who you give the card to. Right. right. Yeah, this is cool because you can give Gravedigger to five different artists and get five totally different things because Completely of the nature different. of the game. Yep. Which yeah, is, yeah. Man, that's cool. You must which have is, so much stuff that's. Which is yeah. where that Sudoku comes in so important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, because like, yeah, you got to make sure that there's a nice balance of all that stuff, and that contributes to how everything's feel. Man, yeah, okay, wow, <laughs> this is fascinating. <laughs> okay, well, we have taken up a ton of your time, and I don't want to abuse it any further. Um, no, but we is can... we we did we did have a couple of questions from write-in folks, but before we do that, is there any like other things you want people to know about? what building the art and theme what or... if an artist really likes the game and wants to like do stuff for you there you go oh well they should like certainly i i can't promise an assignment but i can of course not of course no, not. No, no, no. no promises here, if Zoe. you want to uh submit a portfolio you should send it to uh z robinson r-o-b-i-n-s-o-n or z for flight games that's right at fantasyflightgames.com. Cool. Cool. Okay, well, we did have one write-in question from a good fan and friend of the show, Wes, uh, Wesley Slover. He asked, um, is there a lot of mood boarding in the art design process for Netrunner cards? He says that he works in advertising where looking at other work to help with communicating ideas is very important. It seems like in a universe that draws a lot of inspiration from the cyberpunk genre, that mood boarding would be an important part of the process. So do you guys do any... I've never really done that for any games I've worked on. I mean, occasionally, like, you'll round up, like, semi-related concept art from other works, but I don't know if that's a more commonplace thing in analog games. Well, I mean, every every piece, when we write, send the brief, if there are... If we're thinking of something specific and... I mean, I, I use the words future plausible a lot. Mm, uh, okay. That, uh, yeah, that, that's, I like that. It's like children of men, right? Right. I, so I find that to be a very future plausible movie. Yeah. Right. So it's like, um, so <laughs> I have an, an artist was asking me about, like he was working on a Netrunner piece for the first time. And he's like, so, and, and, and we, we hand out a, a, a sort of a visual guide of previous art that's been done. Um, okay for android so, so everyone sort of gets on the same page um uh, she's like so tell me more about uh android what what's its genre kind of and i was like well it's kind of blade runnery except not quite so gritty and i don't know 
it's, it's a little happier and they're bad guys and good guys you know it's just not dark I, but it is dark so it's it, right. it's kind of it's a, right it's its own it's its own little monster there um so what i like to pull references from as opposed to mood boarding is from more from present day real life things hmm right like so instead of talking about I don't know, like pictures of garbage islands, right? Like in the middle of right. the ocean. Yeah. Um, just, just um, the Dubai Tower. Right. Um, you know, architecture. So, you know, just um, I, I, I prefer artists to look at, or like uh, the Seattle, the Seattle Docks um, container complex. Right. right. Like if you're driving through Seattle, anyway. I'm sure Vancouver has one too. Yes, yeah, the, we do. The, the port of Vancouver has one of those, indeed. <laughs> um, stuff like that, where stuff where you look at that and like, okay, now now push that forward into a cyberpunk future, right? Um, yeah, because because we're gonna need those, right? That's right, <laughs> right, right. Like now, now, now take that and and turn it up to eleven, right? Like bigger, faster, right. funnier. Um, so that that's that's what I prefer to do. I prefer to ground it in stuff that actually exists. And then, right. and then encourage um, artists to roll it forward. But I know that artists um, pull their own inspiration from, you know, from from the staples in the genre. Sure, um, that's interesting. I mean, that probably gives uh, like a lot of the briefs like a bit more like a, like a tangibility that yeah. keeps things from getting, or at least for, for stuff in the real world, especially, it keeps it a little bit more tangible versus like getting too crazy abstract sci-fi. Right. Because that is and, one of the things that, in general, like I like about near future sci-fi stuff, like I mean, cyberpunk or whatever, is that it's not like spaceships and exploring like crazy n-dimensional space, whatever. It's like, oh, this is this is stuff that could like very well exist in a hundred years or whatever. Right. Definitely, definitely future plausible. Yeah, um, future plausible. I like not, that. not like 1930s. We'll all be on radio waves, kind of thing. Like it's it's, it's right. a little more grounded. It feels a little more comfortable uh, get, uh, getting into it. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think it uh, that just lends um, gives it, it gives the visuals a good spine. I think yeah. for people right. to branch yeah. off of. Um, I know, as far as mood boarding, um, I like to look at past art for Netrunner stuff that I think that's been really successful and mm. give people a spectrum mm. like um, like here are the sort of the parameters if you get in between here and here you're good right if that makes sense yeah um, I have styles that I think of as median styles that um, can go like either way more or less stylistic um or more or less colorful kind of thing, but that kind of stay within a certain parameter, um, which is sort of how, how you, when you when you have eighty people working on one project and none of them talking to each other, right? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's not um, it's not like there's a room full of artists that can just be like, oh hey, check out this sketch. It's like, oh cool, but I think that's maybe like the line work is a bit too thick. It makes it feel too comic booky. Like you don't have that, <laughs> right? Yeah. You you are that for eighty people who never talk to each other, <laughs> right? Exactly. So having establishing a parameter, um, I, I think is is the the easiest way to make everything mesh. Visually. Right. Cool. Great. Great answer. So yeah, 
Great strong. Um, awesome. Okay. Well, did, did you have anything else? Uh, no, I think I think you, I think you hit this one out of the park, Zoe. Thank you very much. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. This this was fascinating, and this is like, like I, again. I mean, I think net. Of course, we wouldn't do this podcast if we didn't think Netrunner was an amazing game. <laughs> right. But like, it's very easy for a game to be very strong mechanically, but for the like the theming or the rest, like basically the the, the spirit of the work, to just kind of like be there. And not really, not 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 detract, but not contribute. But I think one of Netrunner's absolute greatest strengths is the fact that it's mechanically incredible, but thematically also just as good. And those two things play together very well. And listening to how that comes together, it's clear that that's no accident. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just awesome. Thank you very much for continuing to make this such an incredible piece of work. It is, it is absolutely one of my favorite things. And even though I am not an analog designer, if I ever did, I know that I could never make anything like anywhere close as good. So, <laughs> well, thank you so much. I know this is something that I could just talk about forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, but really we have so much fun the whole story group the whole team has so much fun um doing this for our fandom like we're all on the boards like looking around at stuff we listen to the podcast we tool around on the internet um and and seeing people's reactions is so gratifying and seeing how just um sharp and inclusive and um yeah it's it's just been it's it's really fun to make this for you guys for, that's for, awesome yeah that's that's super that's really good well thank you it's yeah yeah and and, and thanks for because I, I heard that you guys have have listened to terminal 7 which is just awesome we're really <laughs> and mind-boggling <laughs> and my and my yeah, my very, very much mind-boggling i think is is is, is the proper word so th- like we really appreciate that as well <laughs> yeah well yeah yeah, I had a lot of fun today. Any anytime you guys want to chat, like I'm totally up, up for that, it. It's, like I said, that Net is Runner entirely is possible. I could talk about forever, and you should uh, you should talk to Dan Clark. He's he's another guy with with some some good good stories and. Uh, yeah, that that would be awesome. Yeah, I, definitely. We always love having guests, and yeah, the people who have a little more perspective on like how things work inside of the machine is a. Uh, is really cool, and I still can't believe the kind of guests we get. Oh, that is, true. I, I li- we're literally talking <laughs> to you right now, and I st- I'm still not really believing. It. <laughs> well, so thank you very much for spending some time with us today. Well, thanks for having me on. For sure. Um, and as we've said, as always, like if people have any questions, feedback, whatever, they can just email us at terminal seven at idlethumbs.net, um, or you can follow us on Twitter at term seven. Um, and Zoe, you're on Twitter as well, right? Yes, I am. Uh, Zoe J.K. Robinson. There we go. There we go. go. Um, And thanks very much to our buddy Gordon McLattery from A Shell in the Pit Audio who helped us with uh, some slightly trickier audio issues today. Um, Once again, he's a boss. He does uh, sound and music composition for primarily for games. Um, So if you happen to have... He's doing stuff for your game. That's right. He's doing stuff for Viking Squad. Which is awesome. He's killing it. Um, Yeah, so thanks to our buddy Gord. And as always, thank you very much to Mr. Ed Harrison for letting us use his song Tin Soldiers from the Neo Tokyo OST. Uh, As far as like other good thematic cyberpunky works are concerned as far as the audio spectrum goes uh ed's stuff is incredible yep. uh, so you should definitely check it out as we've said many times before at edharrison.bandcamp.com
this is what we you talk. Want to slap on those headphones and then yep. yak into the mic. <laughs> well, I, nice I'm thing. a microphone fiend. <laughs> say more than that. More than that. Uh, there, I'm, I'm, I'm much more than a microphone fiend. <laughs> say, say, say more than that. More say, than that. More, 